Move on. Now, almost everyone overeats uh, occasionally and sometimes, depending on the circumstances, you know, birthdays and other celebrations, it might be culturally appropriate to eat a large amount of food. Um, those kind of situations are occasional and they are social and they are celebratory. And for some people, that is not a problem. And that is the that is the context. But for other people, Binge eating or compulsive overeating is a daily struggle and with it come consequences of guilt and shame and depression and often obesity and the health issues that then are connected to that. As I've been saying all morning, you know, for those who are not afflicted by it, and if you, if you're a regular listener to the show, you will know that, um, I have, I had dealt with eating disorders across the spectrum from the age of 13. Overeating, undereating, restricting, binging, purging, the gamut. Um, so I, I am particularly invested in this conversation and I, I understand that for some people who are not afflicted by this, it can look as if, people are just greedy or that they lack willpower and and it's this lack of understanding unfortunately that can then fuel that shame and distress felt by the person who is overeating and i'm here to tell you now um that it is it there comes a point where choice doesn't come into it it's hence the compulsion um i, I know there's a lot of debate around whether it's an addiction or not but for me it I would say that it is. It's a behavioural addiction. Um, the substance is different. Yes, you're not, you know, spiking heroin into your eyeballs, but it's the, the compulsion and the feelings, the ism to me is the same. The expert, though, really, um, is joining me in studio to talk about it. Um, Marlene van der Berg, who is an occupational therapist and the therapeutic manager manager at Montrose Manor and Bishop's Court, which offers primary and extended specialist treatment for a range of eating disorders. It's so great to have you with us. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Oh. It's also Eating Disorder Awareness Week, so it weirdly coincided that. with that and then with Obesity Day tomorrow. Which I actually like, got like oh. a flash thing on my phone, which is like eating disorder. And normally yes. I'm all over it because I, you know, I do have a, a sort of vested interest exactly. in it because, you know, eating disorders crippled me mm. for an awful uh, many, many, many years. And it's still something mm. I struggle with now. I don't believe you're ever 100% cured. Things become more manageable, um, but it, it's always something that kind of sits there, you know, in the background, yes, ready, to, ready, exactly. to, you know, ready to pounce. I just want to talk about the the stigma first mm. of all, and I've been saying all morning for people, you know, if 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 what I'm describing isn't you, and you have an attitude of, and this isn't judgmental because I get it. I get it. I, in the same way that when we talk about drug addiction or anything, people are like, just don't do it. Exactly. Just stop. Just, just stop yeah. doing it. because it's No self-discipline. No self-discipline, lack lazy. of willpower, and, 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 lazy, all of that. Um, and, and I just, that's why I'm asking you just to park that to one side mm. and just um, listen to what Marlene's going to tell us. So let's talk about the, the stigma, first of all. Among your clients that come in to see you at Montrose um, and, and in your experience, does the stigma fuel the change? Oh, definitely. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that the one thing that we also say is that I hear what you're saying about they should pocket and hold that stigma, but I think eating disorders are always co-created. If we speak about the psychology of overeating, the fact that I am shaming you and blaming you and telling you what a terrible person you are for being so gluttonous makes me feel, oh, wow, okay. And that leads me into a pattern of I'm not good enough, perpetuating my self-esteem issues and now I go into diet culture because everyone tells me stop eating just stop eating and I I think that I should and then what you are saying is so true about the addiction because now I'm restricting 
which means that I'm not nourished, I'm not eating properly, but also I'm psychologically withholding myself from the food and nourishment. Come five o'clock, I've been starving the whole day. Physiologically, psychologically, my body will go into overeating and that's that overeating that I cannot stop. I literally do not have control in that moment, which perpetuates that binge cycle. Mm. Um, so now we say, oh my word, you are so gluttonous and you are so terrible and just stop your, stop your behavior. But actually, my behavior towards you co-creates this illness. Right. You wouldn't believe how many clients come into our facility and family members will ask us, are they losing weight? Oh. Did they lose weight? And we're like, it's not about the weight. And if we can, if we always make it about weight and food, we will always hold on to the stigma because then we don't really understand what the dynamic is behind this eating problem. That makes me so sad. So sad. Yes, that is really. I remember going to my first. I went to a the, the first anonymous meeting that I went to was was an overeaters meeting. Oh, wow. Yeah, which was your over twenty years ago. Yes. This was before I even realised that I had a massive drug and alcohol problem. But I I remember going and things were and at that mm. point I was restricting, so I was underweight. And I remember going and and somebody in that meeting said to me, "It's not about the food until it yes. is about the food." Yes. And I went, what? Because I genuinely, you know yes. what I wanted? I wanted to go into that meeting and for them to tell me how I could eat what I wanted to eat exactly. and not get fat. That's what I wanted them to tell me. So at that point, I, because I knew I couldn't control my food, I just didn't eat any food. And there was a great deal of, um, there was a great sense of achievement. My self-esteem was yes, so cripplingly yes. low. The, my achievement was you've managed to not eat again today. Exactly. And there was a control that, and it, it went through, the, it's so hard to explain to someone who doesn't, who hasn't been in that, but it's on your mind all it, the time. All consuming. Every waking moment is about what you are not going to eat or what you are going to eat or mm. what you, you know. Um, and then I would have periods of binging and mm. purging and then I would have the, the, the overeating. And, and somebody once said to me, oh, you really, a throwaway comment when I wasn't overweight, but I was overeating. And they said, oh, you really love your food, don't oh. you? And I thought it's the opposite of that. Yeah. I don't love food. Mm. I'm terrified mm. of food. Can you talk a little bit about the relationship with food? I mean, if, you, if you're just speaking of that, hearing you speak, it, it, it's actually a beautiful example of how the obsession with food is actually the problem. And you speak of control. Um, I say that every binge eater, every overeater has an anorexic mindset. And every anorexic 100%. has a binge eater mindset. Because if I'm starving, I'm thinking about food constantly. And exactly what you're saying, that fear of, will I overeat? The overeater constantly thinks I should undereat. So, and if you then think about this, I mean, just in our conversation right now, the focus is then so much about food. I think that I need to change that. It's easy to change behavior. I can easily not drink for a month, but do I change the psychology underneath it? So am I looking at the comfort seeking that I'm having through this addiction? Am I looking at the control that I'm lacking or holding on to through this? Um, and I think that even in clinics, it's so interesting that in our program, we have one group a week on food and one group a week on body image. That's so odd thinking about a whole eating disorder program focusing two hours on that because actually it's the emotional reasons why you are not eating or overeating. And I, that's if, if we go back to the stigma, I would really want to encourage people to say, take it away from the food and ask yourself some bigger questions about 
How do you get comfort? Um, are you happy? Are you connected with yourself? How's your relationships? We also know that food is mom. Because breast milk is mom and mom is connection. And so if I'm not eating, then what am I doing with mom? And why, how is my earlier relationships? Um, you know, Oprah Winfrey has this book about trauma and they say, it's not what is wrong with you. It is what has happened to you. 100%. 100%. Is that the book she does with Bruce Tarrant? Exactly. What have, I'm oh, absolutely upset. No, I'm completely obsessed. Yeah. Yes. Um, if, and, and, you know, I talk about it ad nauseum. I'm sure people are really bored about it on the show, but, but I always talk about the trauma. Absolutely. It's always about the trauma mm. at the root of all of this. And yes, again, mm. at, at the root of the food stuff. And I know if you are a loved one of someone who is an overeater, I know some of these concepts might seem wild to you because again, you're just like, just, mm. Don't eat it. Mm. And it's like, it's, it's so rooted. Um, it's, it's so rooted outside mm. the food as with, as with any, um, behavioral addiction or behavioral, um, compulsion. It's never about the, 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 the thing, is it? It's, mm. it's about the stuff that comes. So how does one, how does one identify the stuff? How do you identify the root of that? I remember somebody saying to me once, and it's interesting you say that about the mother stuff. I think in, in treatment, somebody zoned in and started talking to yes. me about my relationship with my mother and her relationship with food. This isn't her radio show, so I'm not going to talk mm. about her relationship <laughs> with food. But, but, it, but it, it suddenly made me, pieces yes. started coming together. Exactly. And, and this isn't now to say that everyone who has a problem with mm. overeating, it's your mum's fault. But there is a, that, the nurture it's that nurture yes. aspect, right? So we're looking for comfort. We're looking for nurture. But that could come because we've lacked that in, in relationships, not just because of mums. So this isn't now <laughs> a, a, a mum bashing thing. But it's how, how do we find the root? I think that what, we, what you were saying now about the pieces is actually also very important because we often want to find one reason for this behavior, and it is not one reason. So I like to think about the puzzle piece. Imagine that all of the puzzle pieces are there, um, and they are different, but actually when we start to put them together, we go, oh, wow, this is a sunset. Oh, oh wow, this is Table Mountain. So I think there's a lot of multiple pieces um, that we need to figure out. So if you think about therapy as actually the action of sense making, the process of sense making. So I'm starting to figure out all of these puzzle pieces and then go, oh, wow, this is an underlying shame issue or an underlying control issue as the picture comes together. The problem with overeaters, however, is it's, it's almost like alcohol in South Africa. Um, drinking is normalized. Overeating is normalized in South Africa. Right. So if you have an anorexic with a very low BMI, absolutely, the family is going to go, you need to go into treatment. But if I'm an overeater, I think I don't need treatment. I'm not really sick. Um, if I'm binging and purging, probably so no one knows and they think that I've got a normal weight, so why do I have a problem? And I think that actually our access to treatment, once you are in treatment, um, there's professionals like myself and clinics that can really help you figure out that puzzle piece and then can help you, we use the word reparenting, mm. actually go back and go heal some of those woundings, multiple little pieces of those woundings. It's not a quick fix, but I think it's that accessing the care and believing that you are deserving of the care and just because you're overeating is once a week every th the psychology of it remains the same and yeah. we all deserve help yeah somebody asking a really interesting question on the whatsapp line saying hi sj do people feel full 
when overeating? Just curious. No, often not. Um, people of all eating disorders actually lose their hunger cues. Um, they will feel uncomfortably full after, almost like nauseatingly full after. Um, imagine it like... <laughs> You're like losing control completely. I'm eating, I'm eating. I'm not actually, sometimes I'm even dissociated in that time. I'm not out of body experience. I'm not even aware. So I'm not feeling full cues afterwards. I'm like, Oh my word, I'm so full. And then I am so ashamed. Yeah. We also need to remember that a real binge episode is, is quite a lot of calories. So it's actually too much for the body. So you will feel full, but it's only afterwards. And that's part of, part of the problem. Yeah. What, how, how do we define? How do we define overeating? Because as I said in the intro, at you know Christmas or other occasions, mm. an awful lot of us mm. will have more food than our bodies yeah. need. Yeah. And then that period is over and you stop and you go back to exactly. normal, quote, unquote, normal eating, yeah. moderate eating, appropriate eating for mm. your body. Um, so how do we even de determine? So the regularity of that plays a role twice a week, six months, once a week within a three month period. So that plays a role. But also when it starts to come with like embarrassment, shame, trying to hide it, um, eating an excessive amount of food, Exactly what the listener is asking, like then feeling full after, not in the moment, an absolute lack of control in that time, often eating alone. Um, often a lot of our clients go through this, um, not eating during the day, then drive through, take away and eating and then having to dispose of the wrappers oh. before someone sees. Um, so you can just hear the embarrassment and the shame. Um, it's often people that will not eat at a, a function at all. You've spoken about that sideline comment that's such a hurtful comment um, so I'm not going to eat at the function but then when I go home or actually prior to the function I ate so much because I didn't want to show you how much I'm overeating mm, um, yeah. and then obviously we look at regularity and then the last thing would be dysfunction and distress does it bring you marked distress and does it bring marked dysfunction think financially if you are overeating excessively you are paying a lot of money for food um, so that's going to have a functional impact I don't think people understand Understand. I don't think they connect necessarily. And again, why would you? If it's not your experience, there's no mm. reason why you should. I'm not here mm. trying to shame you because you don't understand overeating um, or, or any eating disorder. But I don't think people understand the financial. No. If you saw some of my food bills yes. from my overeating days, I mean, we're talking, it's a lot mm. of money. Exactly. The, the consumption, and that's in, that's one sitting, and you were talking there about, you know, the, the fast food thing. Before I was lucky enough to go into treatment, um, I was living in Dubai, and I, I had a great income. I had, you know, and my life looked great. I wasn't, um, I, I was in a, I was in a bulimic cycle at the time, and this is a, not a great story for an 8, <laughs> 825 on a Sunday morning, but I used, before I would go home and have the meal with my yes. then partner, yes. I would go to a fast food place, and because I was binging and purging, I need to be very careful about what I'm going to say, I would dispose of what I'd just eaten. Yes in the bag it had just come in and hide it yeah. this is how desperate i yeah. was and i'm, I, I'm yeah. saying this to illustrate a point and and hide that bag full of the food yeah. i had been eaten under the seat and wonder oh it makes me feel emotional it was yeah. so long ago and one day i forgot to get rid of it and my then partner found this and was like what on yes. earth is yes. going on 
very soon after that when you yeah. treatment because yeah. how do you explain a bag of how do you do vomit that? hidden under your seat exactly. but i mean the, the the extent to which you will go we often talk mm. about you know drug addicts and alcoholics about how the rock bottom and how bad things get mm. there is a there is an exact there is a similar situation for people who are dealing with the overeating yeah. and and uh, I, I just I just would love for, for there to be better understanding, which is why we're having this conversation mm. uh, with Marlene uh, mm. Vandenberg, who's an occupational therapist, therapeutic manager at uh, Montrose Manor. It's over there in Bishop's Court. They offer primary and extended specialist treatment for not just overeating, a range of eating disorders. Um, if you've got a question uh, or a comment, it's 021-446-0567. Uh, the uh, WhatsApp line 072-567-1567 and 31567 on the SMS line. Tomorrow is World Obesity Day. Uh, we're in uh, Eating Disorders Awareness Week. I want to talk about overeating and obesity because that that's another thing that I think there's a, there's a massive misunderstanding and you touched on it there around weight. Mm. I have been at the height of an eating disorder and a, a normal weight. Yeah. Um, I've also been in a very, very anorexic thinking and been overweight and I've been in binge purge mode and been underweight. Mm. It's the, the scale does not, is not the scale of where you're at, right? No, exactly. It's so interesting that weight is such a focus of all of these conditions and also of obesity and of overeating when actually diagnostically, when we look at the diagnostic criteria, None of the eating disorders in the diagnostic criteria has you need to be X amount of weight in order to have this illness. Mm. It all speaks to behavior patterns and thought patterns. I love that. Yeah. yeah so in our clinic, um, we need to be honest and realistic with each other, saying that if I'm overweight, yes, I need to weight restore and I need to lose the weight from a health perspective. Right. If I'm significantly underweight, I need to weight restore, increase weight. But actually in terms of the psychology, and in terms of the, the treatment that's actually going to get you better, because we know this, you can restore weight pretty easily, but not not lose the reason why you went into this. And that's why we see this yo-yo the between cycle. illnesses. Mm. Um so we need to weight restore and, and, and that needs means having what we call a normal meal plan and teaching you how to have a normal relationship with food so that we can then get to the therapeutic work. So we want to get the food part as out of the way as quickly as possible and the weight thing. Our clients do not know their weight. We don't speak to them about their weight. Weight is not a factor. We do not even tell our families what their loved one's weight is because weight brings that obsession and we don't want to focus on the weight. Your weight will do what it needs to do if you are on a meal plan that is normal. It's mind-blowing for overeaters that they can come into our clinic and eat what feels like a lot of food but actually because I am physiologically nourished I never have to overeat. Um, and then if I do overeat, then we look at that emotional reasons. Maybe, you know, in addiction, we've got hungry, angry, lonely, tired, bored, you know, like that kind of stuff that then makes me overeat. Um, so it's, it's, it's very sad that weight is the focus, or I think that's part of the stigma, because really in treatment, weight is not the focus at all. Do you think people with eating disorders are, this is, oh, this is a loaded question. I love loaded questions. <laughs> do you think we are more difficult to treat? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's very complicated. It's, um, remember now your eating disorder. I'm thinking about what you said about the whole going to and, and, and disposing of them, um, compensation. The secrets. You're, you're sitting with secrets. You're sitting with the secrets that maybe started whatever the trauma was originally, first original secrets. You're carrying secrets from parents, those secrets. Now you have this behavior, additional secrets. 
you know, and, I, and I've worked in mental health my whole life, in acute mental health, and it, I, I don't want to um, be discriminating here, but, you know, like if you've got a work issue and depression, it's, it's kind of quick and easy. We give you a bit of medication. We help you through this. We give you some strategies. But an eating disorder, either side of the spectrum, is very, very complicated. It really falls in that addiction realm where you not only need to stop the behavior, but you need to also uncover all of this trauma. You have depression, you have anxiety. It's really a very complicated illness. And I think we can see that in the amount of beds or facilities that is available, the amount of therapists that really is eating disorders specialized is minimal because yeah. it's a really difficult illness for clinicians to take on very often in in the in the recovery sphere in the rehab sphere mm. that you, your your counselors are recovering addicts yes. themselves very rarely in my experience are counselors in eat who are treating eating disorders people who have got eating disorders yep. or have, who have had yes yes and that is always really interesting to yep. me and i always felt although i actually did have one at one point but i always felt like you don't get it yes and i remember and, and i don't know if this is even the way that people still treat eating disorders but we would all have our i went to a not a specific eating mm -hmm. disorder treatment center i went to one which was everything every gamut but again i'm not sure that's necessarily a good idea yeah. it was what it was i was very privileged to, to even get into a facility and all the eating disorders eating disordered people would have to sit at one table yes. and we would have basically somebody watching over yep. us like a babysitter to make sure we were not allowed to go to the toilet on our own two hours after the meal yep. we had to sit and finish what was on our plates it was when i say it was traumatic i don't use that term mm. lightly it, it even today makes me feel like you that was full-on and and there are some things as a person with an eating disorder that it's like you feel like if i eat this it's going to be a catastrophe. Yes, yes. Like a, a life-affecting, life-changing yeah. catastrophe. And yet you know that you've got this babysitter watching mm. over you, telling you that, that, that you must eat or you must, this, that and the other. How, how do we... Not everyone can afford to go mm. to treatment, right, and have people babysit them. I'm not even sure that that's, that's how it should be done. But that's, that's what my experience was and probably the experience of an awful lot of other people who've been to treatment. For people who don't have the luxury of going to treatment or don't want to go to treatment but want to get a handle on it, on their overeating, where do they start? Do they start with a dietitian or do they start with a therapist? I would, start, I would uh, I'm a therapist, so I would start <laughs> with a therapist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that... Um, we also, unfortunately, not everyone is eating disorder trained and we need to know and be aware of that. You might be an overeater, go to a dietitian and be put on a, a weight loss meal plan that is really not going to help oh. you. So I would really start with a therapist that has some sort of eating disorder understanding or awareness um, and then have a dietitian that can help you just have a normal meal plan. Basically, just really in starting what we would advocate is just stop with three meals, three snacks. Um, cut out all of the excess binging just have breakfast you, you know like something as silly as just like have breakfast because that will have such a positive effect a knock-on effect on to the this rest. day i struggle with yeah. breakfast yeah just have breakfast and then we're gonna have a positive you know like flow of the day so if you really cannot afford or access treatment just start with having breakfast having lunch having supper um and help yourself by removing binge foods we don't we don't really Correct. advocate for moving that yes <laughs> Uh, this is, I just want to add, uh, in when I would go through these cycles of, of binging, restricting, mm. all of that, 
and and sometimes the thought of getting back to three meals a day three snacks was so overwhelming that what i would actually do was i would i would do that i would have Mm. three meals and there would be a beginning and an end what i was eating probably wasn't great probably not initially Mm. but if i could just get that structure so for a few weeks or months i wouldn't beat myself up about the content of what was on that plate but i knew the meal has to have a beginning and an end so that it wasn't just binging and purging or binging Mm. throughout the day and that really helped Mm. and then gradually along with the therapeutic work i could focus on what it was that i was actually Mm. putting into my mouth but there needed to be structure because there was no structure it was chaos absolutely especially on the overeating side there's no structure so and i also think that i mean a lot of this is about denial and about breaking Uh. denial so if you you kind of commit to yourself and go right let me try this and it's not working then you know you've got a serious problem so i always want to say try it and see if you do well then great and if you struggle then please call me yeah Um, yeah. because then we really need to give you help because i think i think the biggest hurdle is overcoming that denial and and almost allowing yourself to say i do deserve this help um but then yes really starting with the therapeutic work the problem with the therapeutic work is you can go into therapy and just speak about food and that's also problematic you 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 want to have that structure in the food but actually speak about the things that really matter um the kind of things that brings you into the spool that then leads to overeating and the other the other thing that that i have found god i've I, Apologies if you feel I'm making this about me, but I'm just going to share my experience because if there are people listening out there, I think the relatedness, I'm hoping the relatedness mm. helps. Um, I'm just saying that um, the, oh, somebody's just sent in such a sweet message. SJ, your personal experiences with the substance abuse, eating disorders, etc., as appalling as they may have been, are possibly the greatest gift that you are giving many oh, listeners. Lovely. Thank you for your total honesty and being so willing and open to sharing your experience. No matter how shocking mm. they seem. Oh, that's really sweet. Mm. Okay, thank you. So I will, I will continue with what I'm going to say, which is that the, when I said to you, you know, what came for, it's like, what came first, the dietitian yes. or the therapist, the chicken or the egg? I had found that at various points, it, it, almost like if, if I'd been still in active addiction, alcohol and drugs, there was actually no point in me going to therapy. I wasn't in a exactly. mindset. Mm. So I found that I kind of, the, the, the food had to be, a bit more in its place in order for the therapy to work exactly because the food exacerbated the denial so actually i would end up i'd almost be like using yes and going into therapy talking i nearly saw talking nonsense (laughs) not talking but but not being able to access exactly the stuff that i really needed Mm. to because i was high on the food or the not food the focus was still on the the focus was still on the food so i would be going in there having come from a binge or or come from the gym mm. where I, I used to be a mad gym. Yes. I was a gym person um, with the adrenaline shaking from the adrenaline of the gym. And I couldn't mm. really focus on the work that needed to be done. Um, and so so for me, it was about trying to finding that point at which the food could be in a... It didn't have to be yes. perfect. Yes. No such thing. Yes. No such thing as perfect <laughs> food, even today. But it also couldn't be chaos. Exactly. Because I couldn't reach... I couldn't... The, the food, the food was a mask for me. It was a, la- it was avoidance. It was this, it was oblivion, and therapy is the opposite of oblivion. Mm, exactly. Right. It's yeah. just Erica sent in a message says, um, 
Morning, SJ. Such an interesting conversation. Thank you. Um, I had anorexia as a teenager and just realised that it's probably why I am the way I am in my early 50s. I don't know what hunger feels like. That is so oh, interesting. Wow. My relationship with food is still very problematic. Mm. I now often eat for comfort. Do you find, and I think, I, I, I often think about like the articles from magazines of 25 <laughs> years ago where they would helpfully explain to us what anorexia was and it mm. wasn't that. Exactly. They look in the mirror and they think they're fat. <laughs> That's not what anorexia is so let's just put that away that's ridiculous um you know uh, but i i wonder if you if you have people who as i said at the beginning my eating disorders have existed mm. on a spectrum i've been very underweight very overweight at a very healthy weight and been crazier than a box yes. of frogs i mean you know properly so have you ever do you have people who have had anorexia and that's how they've you know perhaps in in early life and then they hit All 30 the 40 50 yep. and they go to the overeating and yes. suddenly they're in bodies they don't recognize because they've now they're now at the other end of the spectrum exactly. it happens it happens very very regularly um it's a very common experience um also because for example in an inpatient clinic we teach you how to eat and then if you don't stick to that meal plan and you overeat it, it happens all the time i think i and that that also brings a lot of shame and stigma, you know. Um, I actually want to come back to what you said and also helping listeners that, that might not be able to access therapy. You spoke about that you started at OA. Yep. This listener speaking about the shared experience that is so helpful. And I think even about um, inpatient clinics, it's, it's, it starts this process for you, take, takes away the focus of food, but also it gives you a community. And I think if we speak about really struggling on your own and not being able to access care, community, is a very good place to start go to a fellowship meeting start to attend a support group um, you might need more intensive therapy at a later stage or you might realize sure. that you need it but get a community it's an amazing starting um, point yeah and, and these listeners sharing their story so beautifully it's absolutely that now i'm sitting and i'm almost 50 or in my 50s and i'm still so shameful about something that i've hold, held on since the age of 13 and yeah. um, Go to a community, be with people that understand, because then then at least you've got a family that does not judge you. Yeah. And when you are not judged, I think that food stuff can happen easily, more easily. Agreed. And the therapy stuff can happen more easily. So, so I mean, maybe these listeners are helping us to go. Like, maybe community that. is a good starting point. I did, that is such a beautiful point. Listen, I often talk about treatment, and I, I was really lucky. I get that it is not something that is available for most people. I was very, very privileged, and, and I really get that. However... Recovery is very possible without going into into therapy, into into treatment. It really is. There are groups we've had them on the show um, a number of times. Overeaters Anonymous. Don't be fooled by the name. It's not mm. just for people who overeat. It's across the spectrum. I went into it when I was very very underweight, um, and so I really there are groups. Um, across Cape Town. They're still doing online support if you can't get to an in-person meeting. There's Eating Disorders Anonymous, which is another fellowship, um, where a 12-step meeting. They are not religious. Don't be fooled by the word God. It's a higher power. It's a power of your understanding how you might term something that's bigger than yourself. It can be the power of the group. Um, and it's so helpful. And as you say, the, the removal of the shame. I remember going to that first meeting. I will never, ever forget um, going into that first meeting. And I remember hearing somebody talking about eating food out of the bin. Yes. Yes. And I went, that was something I thought I was going to take to the grave. Mm. That in the middle of the night, I had crept into my 
kitchen and yeah. eaten food out of the bin that I had woken up in the night to do star jumps mm. because I couldn't bear the thought of, oh, it makes me emotional again. This is so long ago. Um, but, but that, the behaviours, the stuff that keep, the secrets that keep us sick. Mm. Um, so there is help. Somebody asking, is it possible to be overweight without overeating? One sees some people who are overweight who swear they do not overeat. Are they in denial or are they lying about the eating? We actually played an interview yesterday morning, um, which I can, um, direct you to it's on it's it you'll find it on on our website where i did an interview with um jocelyn dr jocelyn hellick who is an endocrinologist and she spoke mm. about the fact that yeah it is entirely possible obesity is a disease it is entirely possible for, for somebody to be overweight without overeating and for them to be overweight and not and not be not have an eating disorder so yes in answer to that mm. question and, and therefore with specifically on the overeater side you probably need a medical physician as well an right. endocrinologist or someone like that i mean i mean we're not even speaking about diabetes and overeating Got you. that's a whole that's a whole nother um show yeah. for us to talk about yeah. um, but definitely for overeating we would need the medical care as well because we need to look at is there some sort of medical reason for, for the weight gain yeah. Yeah. And, and also not that it's about the weight but again if you're talking about somebody who is who is over or underweight you need somebody who is not you to tell you what your weight ought to be yes because I remember an awful lot of times a number of dietitians I've been to have got no idea about eating mm. disorders and they go so what, what would you what would yes. you like your weight to be and I go, oh, 35 kilograms, actually. I mean, and when I reach that, I want to be like four less. And then when I reach that, I want to be, yeah, it's, it's. And it's, I really would. I would mm. give a figure that was ludicrous. Mm. And people would kind of look at me like, are you mad? And it's like, yes, yes, yes I am. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm in the middle of an eating disorder. I've got no idea what healthy food looks like, a healthy relationship with food looks like. I've got no idea what weight I, my body ought to be for, for my physicality. I've got no idea. All I know is that I'm, I'm miserable. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to be in control of something I can't be in control of. I am not the best person to, to tell myself what I should be eating or what I should weigh. It actually comes back to a conversation like previous things that we touched on. It's just do not think that this is a logical illness. You are not going to logically figure this out if you've got like um, a, a dad or you know like a person partner in your life that goes, oh, but this doesn't make sense. Yes, the illness does not make sense. Um, it's quite irrational, um, and it, and it's it's really based in in so much more than what you can see, like eat, don't eat, or stop, or eat more. Um, so don't think that it'll be, it's. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just one last message, and I want to end on this because this is, yeah, as much as I wanted to have this conversation for people who are experiencing overeating, I also wanted to have it for people who are not, but who have loved ones who are. Somebody sent in a message uh, and says, um, is it, uh, hold on, how does one support someone with an eating disorder? I see this, oh. This breaks my heart. I see the secretive eating, the snacking, the obsession with treats. I'm very sensitive to mentioning anything to my wife. I believe she does it for stress relief, but really thinks she needs help. Oh, bless your heart. Yes. Oh, and I think, I mean, how beautiful. Um, we have clients that have had eating disorders, various spectrums for 30, 40 years, and the partner saw and never said anything. I would, I would really say, dear listener, have the guts, have the hard conversation. Um, Tell, tell, tell your wife that you love her yeah. and you see it yeah. and you're not blaming or shaming her, but you want to help her get help together, yeah. start that journey together. Do not keep the secret. Um, if the person cannot, un, you know, like release the secret themselves, be the one that bursts the balloon. It is the best 
being having the hard conversation is the best thing that you can do for her right now. I completely agree. And if you can do it in the kindest possible yes. way and, and yeah. remove any element yeah. of shame. And I also just want to say that every so often, I think it's normally once a month, that eating disorder groups and Overeaters Anonymous fellowship groups open their meetings. Exactly. Mostly they're closed for people who have the, the issue. Often they are open. If you can get yourself to one of those meetings, that could help you because it could help you understand better what your wife is dealing with. Um, so just go online. Um, uh, I think it's oa.org.za is the Overeaters Anonymous website. Eating Disorders Anonymous, you can just Google yeah. uh, and find out. You can also phone them. And somebody, because it's part of what we have to do, giving back service, um, will answer and they will also be able to help you. So please take advantage. Not everyone needs to go into, not everyone can go into treatment, but there are, are other ways. And that, you know, one, we talk about one addict helping another. Same with food. One person with an eating disorder helping another um, is, is invaluable and sometimes can be more valuable than going to a therapist who doesn't get it. Please also contact us. Yeah. As a clinic, you can contact us and we can direct you to what you need. Um, we are exactly what you say about service. Um, Montrose Manor is available whether you are going to come into the clinic or not for us to guide and support you. And you're also inpatient, right? We're an inpatient treatment. So you don't offer any outpatient? No, but we can guide you to people that we know and we can start you on that journey so that maybe you need to do a bit of outpatient, then, then come back inpatient or we can say start inpatient. We can send you to the, the fellowship meeting, so yeah. connect with us. We'll be there to support you. Montrose Manor is in uh, Bishop's Court, um, primary and extended specialist treatment. As we said, we've been focusing this morning on eating, on, on overeating, but offers support for a range of eating disorders. Marlene, what an absolute treat it's oh, been lovely. to have you. I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I just, I hope that we can, it's maybe touched somebody and can maybe change just for today and and if you're sitting there if you're just for today one day at a time if you're just thinking i'll start on monday no start that today. might be that might start with your next meal yeah because because i promise you that i'll start the diet on a monday mm. ruled my life yes. for a really really long time mm. mary says hi sj and team thanks so much for speaking so openly to a great guest i hope this conversation will be available on podcast of yeah. course it will mary all of our conversations are available 